section twenty one of the mysteries of london volume three this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the mysteries of london volume three by george w m reynolds chapter twenty one the oath dr lascelles was at home and immediately granted an audience to the earl of ellingham popular physicians are potentates in their way and access to them save on matters of professional business is frequently difficult but the doctor had taken a greater fancy to the young nobleman than he was ever known to entertain for any of his acquaintances and he therefore received him as one who did not encroach on his very valuable time well said the physician as the earl made his appearance in the professional reception-room something new about lady hatfield i'll be bound you are right my dear doctor answered the lover and i am the happiest of men i am charmed to hear it said lascelles casting a glance of curiosity not unmingled with surprise towards the earl yes doctor cried the latter his handsome countenance irradiated with the lustre of complete felicity the beautiful georgiana has consented to become my wife your wife ejaculated the physician and wherefore not asked the earl astonished at the tone and manner of his friend do you think that i will allow what must be considered a misfortune to stand in the way of my happiness certainly if you can rise superior to a prejudice which influences the generality of the world said the physician thrown off his guard by lord ellingham's last observation i do not see ah then you also know all ejaculated the earl but let us not dwell on this topic suffice it that i have heard from sir ralph walsingham enough to convince me that his niece is to be commiserated in a certain respect and i have had a full explanation with her on the subject in a few weeks she will be lady ellingham and it shall be my duty as it will also prove my delight to make her so completely happy that she shall forget the incident which has had so powerful an effect upon her mind i sincerely wish you all possible felicity my dear earl said the doctor shaking the young nobleman warmly by the hand a thousand thanks doctor exclaimed arthur cordially returning the pressure but how became you acquainted with that incident in georgiana's life which has exercised such influence over her i thought you told me yesterday that she had not entered into any explanations with you neither had she nor has she my dear lord observed the physician who seemed slightly surprised if not puzzled by the observations of his young friend but as you yourself ere now said let us not dwell on that topic it is of too delicate a nature it is delicate my dear doctor responded the earl but as i am 
my own master and laboured not under the necessity of consulting my relatives as to those proceedings which are connected with my interest or happiness oh certainly said the doctor you love lady hatfield and she loves you in return it is quite natural i have known many such cases more perhaps than you could imagine i do not doubt you replied the earl but i will not longer intrude on your valuable time he added smiling for i know that you are not in the habit of receiving visits of a merely friendly nature at this period of the day to you only am i accessible on such terms replied the physician the earl then took his leave and was about to return home when he bethought himself of the strange communication he had received from mr gordon the diamond merchant and as the weather was fine and frosty he determined to walk as far as the residence of mr de medina in great ormond street on his arrival at that gentleman's house he found the servant standing at the front door in the act of receiving some articles from a tradesman's boy and this trivial fact is only recorded inasmuch as it explains the reason how lord ellingham ascended to the drawing-room without being duly announced he considered himself to be on terms of sufficient intimacy with mr de medina to take such a liberty and when the domestic made a movement to conduct him upstairs arthur desired him in a condescending manner not to take the trouble as he knew the way accordingly the earl proceeded to the drawing-room where he did not however find mr de medina and his daughter although from the statement of the servant he had expected to meet them there the floor was spread with a thick rich turkey carpet on which his footsteps fell noiselessly he was about to seat himself when voices in the adjoining apartment which was only separated from the drawing-room by folding doors met his ears esther said mr de medina speaking in an earnest and solemn tone this is the third anniversary of that dreadful day which oh do not refer more than is necessary to that sad event dear father exclaimed the jewess in an imploring voice heaven knows my child responded her sigh that if you feel as i do i do i do dearest father cried esther yes but not all the degradation the infamy the shame all all father even as acutely as yourself she said in a voice denoting the most intense anguish and yet undutiful girl that you are exclaimed mr de medina you persist in seeing that lost abandoned the sudden rattling of a carriage in the street drowned the remainder of this sentence oh my dearest father forgive me cried esther in a tone of the most earnest appeal you cannot imagine the extent of my love my boundless love for that unfortunate unfortunate repeated mr de medina angrily no no say that most wretched guilty criminal my god use not such harsh terms almost shrieked the beautiful jewess and the earl of ellingham 
could judge by the sound that she fell upon her knees as she spoke yes esther on your knees implore my forgiveness for your oft-repeated disobedience exclaimed mr de medina consider undutiful ungrateful girl of the position the scandalous disgraceful position in which you were placed a few days ago that ring which was sold to the diamond merchant pardon me dearest father oh pardon me cried the young lady her voice becoming wildly hysterical again a vehicle rolled along the street and of the jew's reply all that the earl could distinguish were the words those diamonds esther the theft of those diamonds oh my god i shall yet go mad with the dreadful thought oh this is cruel most cruel after all i have suffered cried esther wherefore revive those terrible reproaches now say speak father what do you require of me wherefore this conversation again i must remind you answered mr de medina solemnly that this is the third anniversary of that day i know it i know it oh how can i ever forget it said esther in a tone of the most painful emotion and now continued mr de medina apparently but little moved by his daughter's grief now must you swear esther upon that book which contains the principles of our creed that you will never under any circumstances mr de medina here sank his voice to so low a tone that the earl could only catch a few disjointed phrases such as these renew your connection with acknowledge that such infamy and disgrace honoured name family seduced my daughter robbed her of her purity although the world may not suspect degradation on yourself discard you for ever thomas rainford i swear said esther in a tone which led the earl to imagine that she took the proscribed oath with a dreadful shudder and now rise exclaimed mr de medina it is over these words suddenly awoke the earl to a consciousness of his position and his face became scarlet as the thought flashed upon his mind that he had been playing the part of an eavesdropper he despised himself for having listened to the dialogue between mr de medina and his daughter but his attention had been so completely riveted to this strange mysterious and exciting conversation that he had unwittingly remained a hearer an invisible spell had nailed him as it were to the spot had forced him to linger and drink in that discourse which alas appeared to speak so eloquently to the discredit of her whose character he had so warmly defended two hours before and now suddenly awaking as we said to a sense of his position he perceived that a subterfuge could alone save him from the imputation of being an eavesdropper and to that subterfuge was this really noble-minded peer compelled to stoop hastily stepping to the drawing-room door he opened it and closed it again with unusual violence so that the sound might fall upon the ears of mr de medina and esther and induce them to believe that he had only just entered the room 
the stratagem succeeded for mr de medina immediately made his appearance from the inner apartment and welcomed the earl with his wonted calmness of manner in reply to arthur's polite inquiries relative to mr medina the father replied that his daughter was somewhat indisposed and hoped the earl would excuse her absence a quarter of an hour passed in conversation of no particular interest to the reader and lord ellingham then took his leave when he found himself once more in the open street he could scarcely believe that he was not the sport of some wild and delusive dream had he heard aright or had his ears beguiled him was it true that all those reproaches had been levelled by an angry father at the head of a daughter who did not attempt to deny her guilt but who was compelled to implore that outraged parent's forgiveness had he not prescribed to her an oath which seemed to imply in plain terms although the earl had caught but detached portions that esther had been seduced robbed of her purity and that the villain was one thomas rainford had not that oath been administered for the purpose of binding her to break off her connection with this thomas rainford and did not mr de medina assure her that though the world might not suspect it yet she had not the less brought degradation on herself in fine did not the angry father threaten to discard her for ever unless she swore to obey his injunctions in what other way could the blanks in the terms of the oath as ellingham had gathered them by means of the few but significant disjointed passages thereof in what other way could those blanks be filled up than in the manner above detailed it is too apparent thought the earl within himself and esther is an abandoned lost degraded girl and yet how deceptive is her appearance how delusive her demeanour purity seems to be expressed in every glance innocence characterizes every word she utters merciful heavens what must i think of the female sex after such a discovery as this and yet let me not judge harshly of the whole because one is frail my own georgiana is quite different from that artful hypocrite esther de medina georgiana conceals not a tainted soul beneath a chaste exterior she is purity in mind as well as in appearance and after all esther did steal the diamonds her father upbraided her with the theft he even alluded to the ring which she sold to mr gordon yes it is indeed too apparent she is utterly depraved but that name of thomas rainford surely i have heard it before the earl strove to recollect himself oh i remember now he thought at the expiration of a few moments it was thomas rainford who was accused of robbing my georgiana on the highway how strange is this coincidence and yet it was not that man who plundered her for she proved his innocence of at least this imputation but it was doubtless rainford who sent me the letter desiring me to appear in the defence of esther and it must also have been he who restored the diamonds to the merchant that esther stole those diamonds is clear for her father accused her of it 
at least such is the inference that must be drawn from his words but that gordon was wrong as to the day or the hour of the day on which the theft was committed is also clear inasmuch as esther was at finchley at the time stated still gordon was so positive and when he appeared to prosecute the jewess at the police office so short a time had elapsed only a few hours indeed since the act was perpetrated that it is difficult to believe how he could have mistaken the date there is a mystery yet attending on this affair but that its elucidation would establish esther's innocence cannot for a moment be believed such was the train of thought into which the earl of ellingham was naturally led by the dialogue he had overheard between the jew and his daughter he was sincerely grieved to be forced to come to the conviction that esther de medina was a lost and ruined girl instead of the pure and artless being he had previously believed her to be although his affections were undividedly georgiana's yet he had entertained a sentiment of friendship for the jewess and he was pained and shocked to think that he had ever experienced any interest even the slightest in a female so utterly unworthy his notice for the father he still felt respect which was also now blended with profound commiseration for he beheld in him an honest and honourable man who was cursed with a daughter characterised by bad passions and evil propensities the earl was well aware that mr de medina was a very rich man he could not therefore suppose that necessity had induced esther either to dispose of the ring or to steal the jewels what then could he conclude that she required funds to support a worthless abandoned and lost man her paramour hence the sale of the ring hence the theft of the diamonds arthur now remembered his promise to mr gordon to make him acquainted with any particulars which he might discover relative to that business but how could he fulfil his pledge he shrank from the contemplation of the circumstance which had made him acquainted with esther's guilt he felt annoyed and vexed with himself for having allowed his curiosity so far to dominate his honourable principles as to render him an eavesdropper he would not therefore aggravate his offence by imparting its results to another and with an endeavour to banish the subject from his memory and turn his attention to more pleasurable topics he hastily pursued his way homeward End of section twenty one